Got up here and it was warm, turned that on, and it got hot, <laughs> or vice versa. Uh, we introduced a subject <clears throat> last time we spoke to you, which was third weekend in July, August, third weekend in August. And, of course, it was after the Rich Mountain Association, and I shared this with you uh, last time. And uh, just woke up early in the morning, four or five, I don't remember exact. And just immediately when my eyes opened, the word rejoice came to my mind. So I got up not long after that and began to look uh, concerning the word rejoice and what it led me to. And it led me to the 16th chapter of Psalms where the word rejoice is not in it, but I think uh, we'll find that it implies it for sure. We talked about the first part of this and would like to share uh, one scripture with you that we didn't get to last time and then try to talk about the latter part of this verse. It's Psalm 16 and 6. 16 and 6. It says, The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. We, uh, I don't think we ever mention what the word pleasant means. It means delightful, sweet, what you would think of. Uh, last time we uh, tried to well, first of all, uh, the word rejoice actually literally means to jump with joy or to leap with joy. It means exceeding rejoicing, exceeding joy, exceeding gladness. Uh, as we have thought about that, and again, we shared a couple of things, and I want to get to the verse that I wanted to, <laughs> like Brother... Hewland would say, I never made it to my clincher, <laughs> so I never got there last time, so I would like to try to begin with that. Hopefully, at least I'll get that part of it done if the Lord helps us. But what we talked about first began with trying to look at the examples of these lines falling unto us in pleasant places, and it's the picture of like a surveyor that is surveying uh, where boundaries are and where property lies and so forth and so on. So it's like the surveyor's lines have fallen unto me in pleasant places. So start thinking in the Bible where that might be uh, illustrated. And the first thing we thought about was Abraham when the Lord said, Abraham rejoiced. There's the word. Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad. So imagine, if you would, the Lord has told you to take thy son, thine only son, although he had had another son, but the Lord didn't recognize him. The Lord wasn't in that. But certainly was in the fact that a 90-year-old woman and almost 100-year-old man would conceive and have a baby when they couldn't all their married life until that time and only that time. But the Lord said, take thy son, thy only son, Isaac, thy promised son, and take him and offer him unto me. Abraham, the Bible says Abraham staggered not at the promise of God, but was faithful. 
And he did take him up, tied him up on the altar, pulled out his knife, and would have taken his life if it was not for the fact that the Lord said unto him, Abraham, stay thy hand, the Lord will provide himself an offering. And he looked, and there was a ram caught in the thicket with his horns. So as he got that ram, and as he untied his son, and as he laid that ram upon that altar and performed the sacrifice, don't you know he was leaping with joy and saw the picture and saw what it was that there was an offering instead of his son. And the Lord indeed provided it. Now, when it says the Lord shall provide himself an offering, there's two ways of looking at that, and both ways are true. First way is that he alone will, will give it. He'll, he'll provide that ram. That's one way. That he will provide it himself. No one else. He would provide it himself. The other way of looking at that, that himself would be the offering. That he would, he would give himself. He would provide himself as an offering. And certainly as Abraham saw the deliverance of his, of his son, his only son, he rejoiced. Another that we referred to quickly was with Mary and Elizabeth. And with this, as Mary uh, had received of the, of the power of the Most High and conceived, and uh, the uh, babe was born into her room, conceived and placed in her, room, her womb, and Elizabeth was three months, I believe, with child. She went to where Elizabeth Zacharias lived. And as she walked in, they began to visit. Uh, Elizabeth said that the baby actually uses the word leap for joy. That's the definition of rejoice. Leap for joy. The one we didn't use that we want to uh, try to share with you and this uh, amazed me when I when I found it saw it it has to do with the time when the Lord has sent out the 70 and uh, they were to go out uh, two and two two by twos and go to every city and place whether himself would come so almost like John the Baptist as a forerunner sent out these 70 to go to that they did and they came back First, this is the 10th chapter of Luke in the 17th verse. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. Skip over to the 20th verse. The Lord speaks, says, Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you. So don't rejoice at that. But rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. 21st verse. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit. I can't explain to you what that does to me to think about that. That his spirit leaped for joy, even within Jesus. Why? He says, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes, even so, Father, for it seemed good in thy sight. It seems to me with the seventy going out. Before that time, it had been the Lord, John the Baptist as a forerunner, and had been the apostles, 
But it wasn't spread like it began to be spread after this. And I think that's what he's talking about. That the, the things pertaining to doctrine and pertaining to the teachings of our Lord and the gospel. He could see. He knew it. It didn't surprise him that it happened. He knew it would. But to see evidence from those 70, how with joy they had a good report that they gave. And it, it caused our Lord's heart to rejoice, my friends, to know that the truth was beginning to go out, that the beginnings of the church, my friends, has started, that his bride, as it were, was beginning to take shape and beginning to form, and he could see that this would be here forever and ever, and he rejoiced to see it. Now, you might not feel any better, but I kind of feel better. Get that off me. So let's go to the 11th back to the 16th chapter of Psalms. Let's deal with the latter portion of this. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Might be wondering what that means, pleasant places. What, what sweet, delightful places is he referring to? Well, the next portion of this verse, I think, answers that question. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. I think it's talking about the church. And I think that's how the lines are falling unto him. And I trust we can say even this morning, <clears throat> by God's grace, not that we merit it, but by God's grace that we can say that unto us, it has fallen unto us in pleasant places. Certainly as we have enjoyed the meetings of weeks gone past. We've seen evidence of the Lord blessing His church once again. Of men preaching the gospel. Of the congregation rejoicing in the preached word. Of a congregation singing and shouts of praise go up during the song congregation. And that during the preaching you could hear uh, the other around. Uh, amening the preaching and joining in the services. Even the ministers, as they would come forth, that they would come with much fear and trembling, recognizing, my friends, the awesome responsibility and privilege it is to be able to stand up in front of such a, a great people as the church of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and be able to speak in His name. My friends, there's no greater gift that can be given than that. And to hear that, and to believe that, and to rejoice in it, I think that's what he's talking about. Goodly. Words, I think this is only twice it's used in Scripture, if memory's right. This is one of them, of course. Goodly. It means to glisten in beauty and grace. To glisten. To be beautiful. And to be graceful. Does that make you think of any Scripture in the Bible? Does that make you think of anything pertaining to the church that you might? It did me. Made me think of the 48 Psalms. One and two, but especially two. 48 Psalms. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of His holiness. Beautiful for situation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion. On the sides of the north, the city of the great King. My friends, this was in the Old Testament. Even this in Psalms is in the Old Testament. But it's pointing to the day coming when it would be fulfilled. 
And my friends, it continues to be fulfilled today. That's the blessing. of No wonder the Lord's heart rejoiced, my friends. Because this would be something that had its beginning. But it continues on and continues on and continues on. Heritage. What's a heritage? Well, a heritage is something inherited, in essence. Uh, we know what that is. We know that uh, when someone close to us passes away and we're named in the will as an heir, that whatever was in the will or whatever uh, the situation might be, that that flows unto us as heirs of that particular one that has passed away. And that's what it means most of the time. But there's another meaning to it. The other meaning, my friends, and I think both are considered, but the other meaning has to do with not inheriting from the standpoint of a death somewhere, but inheriting as a standpoint of receiving something as you walked into it, like something that passes from generation to generation. Another example of that would be this, and I think all of us have experienced it from time to time. That when you change jobs and you go to a new job, whatever's there, you've inherited, <laughs> good or bad. Uh, if you're going in as a manager or an executive of some kind, whatever people are there, whatever people that's been hired, whatever people that you are now supervisory over, uh, you inherited them. Whatever the culture is in that place, you've inherited it. There's things you walk into, my friends, that doesn't take a death. Uh, it just takes, now how'd you get there? How'd you get to that position? Well, somebody with authority, authority appointed you to that position in the hiring process. And by that appointment, my friends, you now have power and authority to perform your job, my friends. Now that's another way that it can be an inheritance. And we use it. I, I, anyway, I think I made that point. So, how about the first one? I think a good place to go with that is in the uh, first chapter of Ephesians. And in fact, a lot of what I want to try to talk about is going to be the Ephesian letter. I didn't realize how much of the church and the various things is mentioned here in Ephesians until we went on this study. But here we find, uh, let me see if I can find it here real quickly, 11th verse, 1 and 11 of Ephesians. It says, In whom also... We have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his will. Now don't answer out loud, but I want to ask you a question. What is being predestinated? The inheritance or the people? Is the inheritance predestinated or are the people predestinated? It's the latter. The people are, God doesn't predestinate things. He can foreordain things, but he doesn't he can determine things, but he doesn't predestinate things. Here, my friends, he's talking about a people that he has predestinated unto an inheritance. Not only that, it says we've obtained it. Now, this is an inheritance, my friends, that I think is according to the first that we said. And it's to all the elect family of God. And it's to us, my friends, because we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. And it passes to us because of that, my friends. Whether we have much enjoyment of this life or not, doesn't matter. You still have obtained it because God has predestinated you unto that inheritance. Look how broad it is. 
It's all the family of God, my friends. Well, when we begin to think about why haven't we obtained it? I don't think we could withstand it. I don't think we're uh, of the substance, my friends, that we could, uh, we could go and, and, and see something that glorious and live. Why? Because there's something about our bodies, my friends, that are still imperfect. We're still carnal. We still have a fleshly nature. Oh, but one day we will. One day we all will. When, when, in fact, Thessalonians, I believe it is. I'll just try to quote at it. He says, That I pray unto God, uh, Thy whole body, and by, uh, thy whole spirit and body. I'm going to have to read it. <laughs> I can quote that nine out of ten days. Well, I wanted some a little bit before it anyway. Uh, this is uh, 1 Corinthians 5 and 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you holy. W-H, completely. It's not H-O-L-Y, it's W-H, holy, completely. I pray God your whole spirit so I was forgetting. I pray unto God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord. We believe in the preservation of the saints, my friends. And that's one of the proof texts right there. What that means, my friends, is one of these days we'll experience fully what we have already obtained, and that is our inheritance. And it's just as sure to one as it is to all of the elect family of God. Oh, what a blessing that is. I don't think that's what this heritage is talking about. Rather, let's go to another one that I think it is talking about or has some reference to. And we don't have to go far out of the first chapter of Ephesians. Let's drop on down to the 13th verse of that chapter. Now, I'm going to quote it and I want you to tell me what comes first. There's an order. There's three things that are going to come. Don't ask you to... Don't say it out loud, but I want you, as I read this, I want you to tell me the order in your mind. What are the order of these three things? Okay, you ready? In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. What's the order of those things? What comes first? Hearing. Trust is mentioned first, but in actuality, it comes last in the order. What comes first, my friends, is you hear it. What comes second is you believe it. And what comes third is you trust it. Now, how many people do that? I say as we start this wheel, as we start it, how many hear it? How many believe it? How many trust it? Those that have all three is the lesser of the number. I wish it was the greater of the number, but it's not. How do I know that? Just by experience. Just by example. Just by what you see. But what happens, my friends, if you have experienced all three of these things? That you have heard the gospel, you have believed the gospel, and then you've trusted the gospel. Remember King Agrippa? Almost thou hast persuaded. You know, he heard it and he believed it. He didn't trust it. <laughs> he trusted other things like being the king that he was, and so forth and so on. But what happens to one that has experienced all three of these? Let's do the rest of the text. I'll read the whole thing to you again. 13. 1 and 13 of Ephesians. In whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after ye believed, 
ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. We've tried to preach on this in months gone by. That's not regeneration, my friends. That's a seal similar to what you would have uh, when a notary would seal a document. It authenticates a document. It says this is true. In fact, what it's actually saying is this signature that's on it belongs to that person, and I'm notarizing that. You know how they used to have it? They have it now with, a, with a, just a stamp with ink. You just have a pad and you stamp it. My, when I was a notary in the old days, uh, they had this the, the pretty good-sized piece of equipment there, and you put the paper in it, and you crush it down uh, with the handle, and it would imprint the seal on the piece of paper. And I, you could feel it. You, you could, it was there. And I tell you, you can make a copy of that thing, and it looked just like it, but guess what? You couldn't feel it on the copy. <laughs> no, it had to be real. The actual document uh, would be shown, and you could just, uh, it looked good, but what you should to make sure, uh, to actually know that it's a real document, you feel it. My friends, it's not any different in the gospel. I tell you, that's the trusting part of it. That you could, you could hear it, you can see it, but no, I know that's to be true. Because it hits something within here. It's the seal of the Holy Spirit of promise. Now how's that text finished? Which is the earnest of our inheritance. Now how many people do that? How you look at the first one we talked about, it's the elect family of God, my friends. But when you get to this one, it's a very select Many are called, few are chosen. It's a very, it's a very, it's the church. It's the church, my friends. Whoa, I think this is very key to what this heritage is uh, that we're talking about. I tell you, it's the same people, the same place, my friends. Where? Let me go read that too, because the first part of it I want to get to. Sorry for having to turn to these various places. I'm thankful we got them to turn to. Jude. Uh, third verse of Jude. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Who was it delivered to? That heritage, my friends. It was delivered to the church. It was only once delivered, you understand. And it was delivered by Christ Himself. What is the faith? I don't think He's talking about the fruit of the Spirit, my friends. I think He's talking about the common belief, the tenets of belief. That's what He's talking about. Uh, the articles of faith, as you would, my friends. Uh, and that was, uh, uh, the Lord did that. He didn't allow uh, one of the apostles to do it. He didn't send John to do it. He did it, my friends, because He had the authority to do it. Well, listen to here, as we had talked about the word appointment. Let's go and read something about that. It's toward the last of, of the uh, uh, 22nd uh, uh, chapter of Luke. I can find it real quick here. <clears throat> okay. It's a really a good... There it is. Okay. 29. 22 and 29 of Luke. Listen to what he says. Christ talking. And I appoint unto you a kingdom as my Father hath appointed unto me. You see the use of that word appoint? He that has all authority, the Father, had appointed it unto the Son. And now the Son is getting ready to go to the cross in just a few chapters from hence. Getting ready to go to the cross. And he says, as my Father hath appointed unto me, I appoint unto you, my friends. I tell you what, as one generation passeth and another generation cometh, 
for a church to continue. Uh, it's a place at a particular location, my friends. That appointment needs to happen again and again and again uh, to where uh, we could take our uh, a position uh, that God has blessed us with inside of the heritage, my friends, the goodly heritage uh, that He has given unto us. As we think about this, what other things can we find? I, I'd like to look at general things, and then I don't think I'm going to have time to look at the particulars at uh, this time. But as we begin to think of some of the general things, let's go back to Psalms where we were. We don't have to go far from where we read it. What's our text? 16 and 6. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. Look at the last verse of the 16th Psalms. This is beautiful to me. It says, Thou will show me the path of life. My friends, that's not the path to eternal life. That's the path of this life that we can live here in this life, in this time, right now. It's a now type salvation, my friends. The path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. And at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Oh, my friends, what beautiful language. What beautiful understanding can we have that there is a place that God has set aside that we can come. You know what it is? It's similar to what He told Moses in the 33rd chapter of Exodus. Remember what Moses' desire was? That he would, first of all, in this verse, I won't particularly read to it, but the Lord had said, uh, because of the idolatry and the, uh, the golden calf and, and all those things, my friends, uh, the Lord said that He would not go up with the people anymore. Uh, and Moses beseeched the Lord. And he says, Lord, if You won't go up, don't send me. I don't want to go without You. I don't, but, but if You'll go up, I'll, but don't. So the Lord, He agreed that He would go up with them. But my friends, then, Moses has a request of the Lord. And that re- I don't blame him. I'd like to see this too, my friends. He said, Lord... Uh, show me, show me thy glory. May I see thy glory, O Lord. Uh, show it to me. I tell you, listen to what he says. And he said, I will make my, all my goodness pass before thee. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. And be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And shall show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Does that remind you of the ninth chapter of Romans? This is where it comes from, my friends. And then he says, then he said, thou canst not see my face. Why? For there shall no man see me and live. Oh, I think that was a sad story right there. If that had ended right there, my friends, I think Moses would have been dejected. But my friends, it didn't end there. And it doesn't end there for you or I either. Because I'll tell you, this heritage is a goodly one. It glistens, my friends. And not with our beauty, my friends. But it glistens at the face of the Lord. You remember songs of Solomon uh, when the queen, or the children, uh, the uh, the daughters of Jerusalem asked uh, the queen, "What is thy beloved above no others beloved?" And she began to explain that uh, to her uh, how he looked and so forth. And finally, the last thing she says is, "He is altogether lovely." I'll tell you, uh, we can see uh, what we need to see in this pleasant place, my friends. Uh, uh, the Lord can show us. He passes by, uh, and He'll show us. But listen to what He says. Lord says, Behold, there is a place 
by me. That's where the heritage is, my friends. That's where the lines fall into pleasant places. There is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock. No, it's not a place of shifting sand like this life is. It's not a place of worry and wonder what we're going to do this day or that day. Why? Because it's a place that the Lord prepares. It's a place that the Lord keeps, my friends. It's a place that is altogether and Him altogether lovely in it. Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock. And it shall come to pass that while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in the cliff of the rock, and I will cover thee with my hand while I pass by, and I will take away my hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. As I studied this and looked at this, my friends, I thought again of the recent meetings that we've been able to go to. You more than I, but I'm sure glad I got into one of them. <laughs> and I enjoyed being there at O Union. And what a, what a joyful occasion that was. My friends, the Lord passed by. The Lord passed by. And we didn't. I remember there was a brother sitting right next to me on Saturday morning as we were singing the final song after a wondrous preach service. Elder Jeb Owen went first. And Elder David Crawford followed. And I'm telling you, it was a day to be had in the city of our God, my friends. And this man's standing next to me, who never makes much noise, doesn't even amen very much. But he began to say, he's here, he's here, he's here. And he shouted, he's here. I tell you, my friends, you can't see it with a natural eye. But you, what you can do is you can feel that embossment. You can feel where the notary has put a stamp, my friends. And you, if happily we might feel after him, you can feel. And the Lord's here. And it causes our hearts to rejoice. And we can recognize whatever problems we might have had. Somehow they have gone away. Uh, for a little while uh, and just for a little while uh, uh, not only is the Lord's here my friend his bride's there with him and astonishing where his bride uh, uh, what a glorious uh, thought to think about uh, uh, that the Lord would pass by uh, and show us things that angels desire uh, to look into oh my friends he's altogether lovely he's altogether lovely as we think about this Let's go. Let's go to to uh, 133rd Psalms. This place, and it's all because of the Lord. It's all because of the Lord. I tell you, if we had to wait till we were perfect before we'd be a part of this heritage, uh, we'd never we'd never get there. If 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 we'd have to remain perfect in order to be a part of this heritage, uh, it, we we wouldn't. We'd be there that long, and then we'd be cast out. But my friends, it's a place where God will rain down His mercy, and His grace, and His love, and His gospel. And it's a place of fellowship, and it's a place of unity. Oh, sometimes, maybe I misbehave, you misbehave, whatever. Sometimes things will jump up, and uh, Satan tries to get advantage of. But oh, that the Lord would bless us to put those things behind us that we might be able to rise above what we are in nature. 
Rise above uh, what Satan wants us to remember, my friends, and understand that we are brethren uh, and sisters uh, united in the cause of Christ, uh, united uh, in a body of a belief, my friends, that was once delivered. Listen to what this says in 133rd Psalms. Uh, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. If you have your Bibles, my friends, you'll see an explanation point after the word unity. I tell you, it was something that wasn't whispered. Uh, it was hollered. You know what it was still going on? Somebody's leaping for joy, my friends. Somebody's rejoicing. Uh, and I think it's David here. Uh, and he says, in fact, this is titled A Song of Degrees uh, of David. He says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. You sing a song. Uh, Lo, uh, what an entertaining sight uh, it is. Uh, what is that? Let me turn to it. I think it's 201, if I remember correctly. It's one of my favorite songs, and some of yours as well. Lo, what an entertaining sight those friendly brethren prove. What cheerful hearts and bands unite of harmony and love. Where streams of bliss from Christ the spring descend on every soul. And heavenly peace with balmy wings shades and bedews the whole. Tis like the oil divinely sweet on Aaron's reverend head the drinkling drops perfumed his feet and o'er his garments spread tis pleasant as the morning dew that falls on zion hill where god his mildest glory shows and grace is distilled i tell you my friends listen to it behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity it is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard even aaron's beard and then went down to the skirts of his garment what do you think that did, my friends? Uh, it allowed uh, that uh, a beautiful uh, uh, perfume, uh, uh, that beautiful uh, uh, scent uh, uh, go forth because it was all over him. Uh, it came down all over him. And I'll tell you, my friends, uh, uh, when we're in those type of services, that's exactly what happens. Uh, all of our abrasions. Is there any balm in Gilead? Uh, yes, there is. Uh, you know why? Because a great physician is still near, my friends. Uh, it's a place uh, where we can take our bruises and, and our abrasions uh, from the past week, uh, where we have fallen and skinned our knees, or, or how our feelings hurt, uh, or, or, or felt the pains upon us, uh, maybe even of death, or whatever it might be. Uh, I remember a time, uh, I guess, uh, probably the first time that I really uh, I had somebody that I was so close to uh, uh, pass. Uh, there was my grandmother. Uh, um, but when my Uncle High passed, my friends, uh, I thought my world uh, uh, was coming apart. Uh, I tell you, he was a preacher that baptized me. He's the one that delivered the charge at my ordination. And when he died, uh, I just thought I was undone. Uh, funeral. I already lived in Arkansas. Sharon and I were already married. Uh, and, and I was already ordained for that matter. And when he died, uh, we went to the funeral. I went to the funeral by myself. Uh, I couldn't afford for her to go. Went to the funeral. And I couldn't get wait to get back uh, to my home church. Uh, the little uh, a body of people, about uh, 15 or 20, 25, however many there were. Uh, and I tell you, uh, as a, especially this one sister uh, uh, who I, I love so much. She was a mother in Israel to me. And when she walked up those steps, my friends, uh, I just put my hand on her shoulders. Uh, and I just began to weep uh, and weep and 
weep. And you know what I felt? I felt a lot better. Uh, I felt uh, uh, that I was dandled a little bit uh, on the knees uh, of Mother Zion there. Uh, I felt uh, uh, that it was a heritage, my friends, uh, a place of protection, uh, a, a, a solace, uh, a, a hiding place, if you please, uh, uh, from this world and from all uh, that there is uh, that would seek to devour and destroy. Oh, my friends, uh, how goodly heritage uh, it is. Uh, it glistens, uh, uh, my friends, uh, with this beauty. And it's just full of grace and glory. Listen, let's go to Philippians real quick. I don't guess it'll be quick, but we'll get there. And Second Philippians. Listen to this. First couple of verses of Second Corinthians, of Second Philippians. He says in two and one, if there be, if there be therefore any consolation of Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. I tell you, that's a goodly heritage, my friends. Uh, that we're to, uh, we can be separate. Uh, uh, we can have uh, uh, people that have different views on politics. Uh, uh, we can be, have people that have different uh, uh, various lifestyles as far as uh, 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 this and that and so forth. But I'll tell you when we come here, you know what it's like in Songs of Solomon. It says it's like a, a, a hill uh, full of sheep, my friends. And they're all even shorn. Uh, uh, there's no big eyes and little U's. Uh, and there's no, uh, look at what I've done. Uh, uh, there's no bragging in the church of God. Uh, uh, there's no uh, nothing uh, because we're all together uh, uh, made uh, acceptable in His sight uh, and adorned by His grace uh, and are able to come here and delight us uh, where He'll make us to lay down uh, in green pastures uh, that we might delight our soul. And, you know, I can eat so much and some of you do too. I can eat so much that it makes me sick. But I'll tell you here, my friend, you can eat all you want uh, and it won't give you a bellyache. No, uh, you'll just want more uh, and more and you, uh, you end up by saying my cup runneth over good uh, you're supposed to I remember when the Lord uh, fed uh, the multitudes my friends with just a few loaves and a few fishes how much overflow was there every one of those men uh, took up a basket and they uh, then they uh, lived off the baskets uh, of food uh, for a few days I tell you we've done that uh, we've gone to meetings my friends and we're still talking about them even though they've been a few weeks ago oh that every Sunday would be that way Oh, that the Lord would come down. Uh, you know what it is? In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord uh, setting upon His throne and his, uh, uh, the train, uh, his, his robe, uh, His train filled the temple, my friends. I tell you, it's a place uh, where the Lord's train fills His temple. The train of His righteous robe, uh, uh, my friends. Uh, uh, that uh, It could be. You remember what happened to those robes, don't you? Uh, I remember a woman, if she could just reach up and touch it, she was healed uh, with her issue of blood. I remember uh, the uh, high priest, they used to have robes on and there were uh, bells and, and, and cymbals, so like uh, tinkling bells and so, uh, on their, on their uh, uh, robes. On the, and one day to know if they're still alive in there, my friends, uh, uh, when they walked around, uh, it would make a sound. But I'll tell you, uh, uh, there's a robe uh, uh, that can, uh, I can't tell you about, I can't draw you a picture of it, my friends. Uh, uh, but you know what I can do? I can feel, I can feel it uh, and I can say, that's it. Uh, it's true. It's got to be true. It can only be that way uh, because nothing else, my friends, uh, will, will do to me uh, what the Lord's presence will do to me. I tell you, it's a goodly heritage. It's a goodly heritage. I'm going to stop there.
There's a lot more I want to tell you about this. If the Lord help be our helper. It's got to keep a month, and I sure hope that worms won't get it in that time. But my friends, the Bible's full of telling us about this heritage. It's the church of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's a place. I don't know how many years ago it has been, but I remember at our Christmas get-together that we have, second weekend, is it, in September, uh, December, or fourth, whenever it is. I remember what Brother, Brother Greg Bowles said. You know, it's much better when one speaks by their feet instead of by their mouth. Well, he said this with his mouth, but he's also done it with his feet, he and his wife. He started explaining what this church meant to him. And he gave you the highest compliment he could give. He says, here is where I want to raise my children. I'm going to go ahead and tell you one thing because it fits real good right here. There's one thing about this place. One thing about it. There's not another place like it. It's totally unique. Tell me another place you can have this statement be said and it be true. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Name another place. It's not one. Businesses, no way. Schools, no way. Homes, no way. Landmarks. This nation's now destroying landmarks that they used to honor. There's only one place. Where else can you bring your children to and say, here's a place. By the Lord. The Lord protects it. And if you'll stay with it, it'll stay with you. It's better to know that at an early life than not. One little story and then we'll close. I've told it before, so excuse me. This little boy at his grandparents' house. And his mom and dad, as well as his grandfather, said, don't go in to my study there. There's things I can break, so don't go in there. So what do you think he did? And as he went in, he saw on the desk of his grandfather a big old apple, not like that, big old apple, that was inside a jar, but the top of the jar was only like that. And he had a problem because he couldn't ask anybody how that happened because he wasn't supposed to be there. And he looked and he looked. He tried to see if it was somehow came off and came back on. It wasn't until next spring when he was out at the farm with his grandpa, Paul, and he looked up in the trees out in the orchard and there was a bunch of bottles tied around little old bitty apples like that that they've just blossomed out and they now become apples 
And they had those jars up there and had them tied around there. You see, that apple got big while it was inside the jar. There's the analogy. There, I'm, I tease Sharon all the time that I'm the baby that doesn't leave home, and she agrees. So I'm still a baby in a lot of ways. But I still need the jar. I still need the heritage. I still need to be with people that love it as much as I do. And we can march as we're marching around Zion. And we can tell her towers, that means count them, and her bulwarks. And we can explain it to the generation following. And peradventure, I've never seen a church where it's 100% of the children that's been raised in the church stays in the church. So you look across the congregation right now, Ten or so young folks that we have. Maybe they'll all be there. Probably they won't. But maybe they will. Peradventure. Sister Marianne, Brother Tom, how many of the kids you grew up with are still there? I got a whole family that's not in it anyway. Right, Brother John? My whole family. All the Huckabees are out of the church. They've left it. All of them. All of my cousins. 26 first cousins. All of them. Has the last name Huckabee. Thank goodness for the Ivies. <laughs> Friends, it's better to grow up in the church. Because even if you get 80 or 90 years old, there's still room to grow. There's still room in the jar. There's still things to learn. Still things to be taught. Bless your heart, we can still reach out. I trust if we get to the place like some of our members are at and are not able to come to church anymore, I trust that by an eye of faith, they can still reach out and touch and feel that notary seal. Feel this, this is real. This is real. It's real to my heart. It's real to my soul. It's real. You help me, I'll help you, and we pray that God help us. And God bless you is our prayer. So we stand and sing some song at the end in the congregation that desires to join Bethel Church. Your opportunity is now. So we sing this song. Come down, give me your hand.